Hey good people, this is your N.I. Dom back with another reflection and this is a personal journal for contemplative people looking to think, grow and have impact in the world. So hey. So I'm hitting the record button um, with the concept of non-negotiable on the brain. Non-negotiable, that is my starting point. I want to tell you if you can't tell already, I am outside walking my dogs and I'm on a busy, I'm on the main uh, street right now. So there's a lot of traffic. Um, it's a beautiful day. It's an overcast, but it's a beautiful Saturday morning. So people are out walking their dogs. I have my dogs with me. They want to communicate. My dog who thinks she's alpha needs to express that she's alpha. And so they may bark before I can hit the pause button. So just be prepared to hear some background noise dogs traffic <laughs> birds humans we don't know but um I, I i'm doing this uh recording even though i'm outside walking because this idea of non-negotiable um i just want to capture it as it is now so i've been um i have a little bit over a four mile walk it's i say five miles but it might be let's just say four and a half miles and in doing the walk, um, we, we finished 65% of it. And I did a personal, private reflection. It's been a few days since I've reflected. I've had some breakthroughs. I like to memorialize my breakthroughs because I love to show the movement of those breakthroughs. Like, if it, it, it's only a real breakthrough if it stays with me and grows. And, um, and so, that's how I track it. Like I like to memorialize, record my breakthroughs, my ahas, my insights as an NI Dom. And so I have, it's been a crazy week. I mean, I mean, I'm not going to talk about the job, at least not in this introduction. Um, and so I, it's just been so, so intense this week that I haven't been able to do a private reflection with myself, let alone a reflection with you all. So I spent the first part of my walk doing that private reflection and where I ended after an hour of talking to myself was at this concept called the non-negotiable. And then I was like, ooh, I want to share some of that with my, in a, my podcast community. Not that there's anything profound, but it's just a concrete concept that I want to share with you. So... If all goes well, uh, this reflection won't be long because I don't really have a lot to say about the non-negotiable. But we already know once I start talking and opening this thing up, there might be some other goodies inside of there. So we're going to start with the non-negotiable on the other side of my disclaimers, okay? If you're new to this project, this is a personal journal where I process my inner and my outer worlds. I do so by using personality theory. The two that I use the most are the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram. Pushing those two systems together, I identify as an INTJ8. I also identify as an African-American woman from a lower socioeconomic background and from intergenerational trauma. I'm a trained and practicing educator and social scientist of about 30 years, and half of that time has been in leadership. Politically, um, I follow tenets of, of critical race feminism, which basically means I have an intellectual sensitivity to social constructs such as race, class, gender, sexuality, 
blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I always say blah, blah, blah because there's so much more to that. This project is unedited and it's unscripted, if you cannot tell. <laughs> and so if you want to know more about me or this project, feel free to go to my website at youranidom.wordpress.com. I have about two minutes, excuse me, two blocks, and then I'm going to be off of the main a main street, main tra- with, uh, a main thoroughfare. I'm going to go back into a residential walking area. The residential area for walking, and so it should be a little less, a little less noisy. So, like I said, I ended the reflection, my private personal reflection, with this idea of the non-negotiable, and it was an hour reflection. And interestingly enough, I hit the breakthrough of the non-negotiable early on in the reflection, but I kept talking. And what was fascinating is that usually how I end the reflection is how I name it. That's how I. I am with you all in this public reflection, and I'm the same way in my private reflections. It's like an inductive thinking process, and I go from one concept, one breakthrough to the next breakthrough, and where I end is what I will give recognition to for the whole uh, reflection. So there was something about this idea of the non-negotiable that came up in the beginning of the reflection and at the end. Um, so let me try to give it to you, not in the order in which I processed it, but just kind of my takeaway. I've been, um, you guys know this, I've been struggling with work. Um, I've been really struggling with work. And this project is two years old. It will be next month. And ever since this project has existed, I've struggled with work. But I've had many different jobs, many different jobs. (laughs) So when I started this project in the middle of the pandemic in June of 2021, the middle of the shutdown, rather, I had just decided to transfer schools, stay within the same district, but to transfer schools. I was teaching as a sixth grade teacher in an elementary school, a K-8 school, and middle school is my favorite grade level, but when you're doing middle school in an elementary environment, you're really functioning as an elementary teacher, and there are things I love about it because I had my kids with me all day. I like the level of learning that has that comes when you have a deep relationship with your learners, when you have a relationship with your students, the greater the relationship, greater the greater the learning. Uh, and so I love that part of being a sixth grade teacher in a middle school, excuse me, in an elementary environment. But the downside of that is that you don't get any real prep time or breaks. I was getting like a 20 minute break a day. And, um, and that just was a lot for me. And then... I was operating outside of my strength at about 70%. And then on top of that, I was working. My principal at the time was a a former classmate of mine and a person that was on record as not really caring for me, not really liking me. Now, in the last Six months or the last year, we've developed a relationship. Hi. Sorry, I was speaking to someone. 
we've developed a relationship um we're re- re- like we're reestablishing a, a relationship with some other co- uh, classmates, former classmates, and all of that's better. But it does reveal that my my concerns at the time when I was her teacher were, were valid because she still brings up some of the things that bothered her. And but now when she brings up the things that have bothered her, I can clap back. You know, she says something and about. Uh, her philosophy, which is her right as a leader, and then I can critique that based on my philosophy as a leader. But when I was her teacher, i.e. I. her subordinate, I couldn't do that. And um, that was difficult. This is relevant to the, the non-negotiable, by the way. So um, I, I really liked my co-worker. My, I was teaching sixth grade. Uh, the other sixth grade teacher, we, we hit it off fairly well. There was a level of, um, there was a little bit of a gap, but I've come to understand that most of that gap was about her being an extroverted feeler and I'm an extroverted thinker and just how we, how we experience each other in the world differently. Um, so when an opportunity came up for me to transfer schools, I did what was called a blind transfer. I submitted, said, told the district, I want to move locations. And the, I had to sign some paperwork that would say, you're going to move, but we can't guarantee where you're going. So when we place you in this school, you can't say, I don't like it. This means you're doing this blind transfer as a way of saying, either you move me or I'm quitting. So I signed the paperwork, and they transferred me to a high school. And good morning. And I got a chance to... I got it. Excuse me. I'm sorry about that, guys. And then I got a chance to teach primarily 11th and 12th graders, but I had a few sophomores in my class. There was a big debate and controversy. Excuse me, controversy over what subject I was teaching. I'm not going to get into that now. Just go back and listen to any of the episodes from the fall of 2021. But I did that. And in that blind transfer and working in this that school as a high school teacher, there was a, uh, um, a most of that was online um, because of the pandemic. So from um, August to October, I went into the building, I went into my classroom, and I taught students on the on the screen. And then from October to April, I I took myself home. And so I taught from home on the screen. And then in April, they required us to go back into the building. And they allowed students to come into the building, uh, the, the students that were really struggling. So they allowed maybe 20% of the kids back into the building. And that was interesting because that was the first time that I had to teach to students in a room and those on the screen. And there were guidelines as to how to do that. And me being me was like, listen, we're going to do it the way that's effective. <laughs> These guidelines. And so no one, no, I mean, I had administrators who came in my room. They saw what I was doing. They didn't have a problem with it. And um, I had some, I got back into doing union work. I did some union leadership work. <laughs> I'm seeing a parallel of something right now 
There's a parallel. I see it. It just hit me. This is interesting. Okay, I'll, I might share. Well, if, if I remember to, it's not a secret. I just don't want to get distracted right now. And um, and by the end of the year, I think people started better understanding me, so that if I was functioning at my authentic self in the previous place at thirty five percent. Maybe I hit 45% in this second assignment, the second placement, the blind, where I went and did the blind transfer into the high school. Prior to it getting settled out, I hit a point maybe in April or May where I had like, that's it. I can't stay here. And I went and called a couple of people who I knew who had positions or who was connected to positions, I said, hey, if you guys know of any openings, I don't really care where it's at. I just need to move. Really, in a, in a, in, a, in many ways, I'm doing another blind transfer, although this one is not being facilitated by the district. This one would be facilitated by me. Like, I don't really care where I go. I just got to get out of here. And a friend of mine told me about a position, told me about a couple. Uh, there was one I was interested in, to make a long story short. I, that's where I'm at now. However, in this new district, I have maybe had three or four positions. Part of that's because this district is in a, a space of high change. And having been a leader in a, my own organization that was going through change, I haven't really been overly bothered by the constant change. That's not the problem. Um... And in this position, I'm functioning probably at, I was functioning at like 55% me, 50% me. No, I would say I was, I said what, 35, 45, 50. And then when they put me on a special assignment, I'm probably at 55, 60%. Okay, and the position that I'm going to have next year because it's yet another position, it's another position. Um, that's a position that I actually, I'm actually kind of intrigued about on paper, but knowing what I know about this organization and knowing what I know about me, what I'm intrigued about doesn't measure up to what I'm concerned about. So. I started applying for a new job <laughs> and I started doing so in about, I became serious about it in March, around March after I had my spring break and I've just been applying for jobs and just seeing what's out there. The good thing about where I'm at in this, in the world right now is I was applying for positions that were about growth to get me in a place where I'm more than just 50% of me, right? So if I'm functioning at 60%, trying to get closer to the 85, 90% state of myself. Um, somewhere around, so where are we, late May? Somewhere around April, I started... Um, challenging myself because um, I started started challenging myself about this isn't this is not going to change. 
you might really have to go back to being on your own as an entrepreneur. And I haven't really wanted to do that. You hear the kids laughing in the background. I love to hear kids laughing and playing. I love it. They could be our, if we would learn to look at children and their play as models for our own wellness, man, we, it would really serve us well. But that's another reflection. I'm, but I'm going to walk past them so you can hear giggling and laughter. That's, those are kids reminding us that play is important. <laughs> so, um, I honestly, I honestly have not wanted to do entrepreneurship because of the amount of hustle it requires. And it's, you don't turn it off. You don't turn it off. And I've never complained around about the hustle of entrepreneurship because it's always fed me. It's fed my identity. It's fed my creativity. It's fed my leadership. Good morning, baby. It, hold on a second. One of the little group, the kids came up to me because this happens on a regular when I have dogs, particularly when I'm walking my grandmother's dog. When when she passed away, I took care of him for two years. So I'd be walking three dogs and people thought I was like a walking circus. <laughs> like adults would just start talking to me. I'm like, okay, y'all. <laughs> but anyway, the, the, the little girl came and said, can I pet your dogs? I said, you can pet the gray one, not the white one because... Mm, the white one is my the alpha dog, right? It is every time I say that. Is it this human nature? They pet the gray dog, but they had she had her eyes on my the white dog the whole time. Like that's the one I really want to pet. The one I can't pet. <laughs> the one I'm not supposed to touch. That's the one I really want to touch. So anyway, so sorry for that interruption. Um, I don't even know where I was at. But I think, I think I was talking about up until, I never, all while I was doing, working for myself, I never, never complained about the hustle. Never, never complained about that it's 24-7. Because it's always, that hustle has always fed me on many different levels. I was saying spiritual, leadership, intellectual, like just so many creatively, creatively, so many different levels. And then I decided to go back into traditional employment. I'm back in the house now. Yay. So then I decided, I, I said I decided to go back into uh, traditional employment, and that's not completely true. Um, I decided to get a third degree. And after completing my third degree, or while completing that third degree, I also relocated to a different state. Um, or I start, started spending most of my time in a different state and I could not get, I could not get back into the hustle, the business, being entrepreneurial, being, I could not get back into being self, um, self-sustaining. Uh, to the business and my ex would, would say you're not trying hard enough it's possible because I was spending a lot of energy dealing with that relationship which took so much out of me and I had a friend of mine who said I wonder if you weren't dealing with that relationship would you have been able to use the energy into your business maybe I don't know but I ended up having to come I came back home full-time I've already talked to you guys about the liquefaction process how financially 
I just didn't have it. And you, it's hard to start a business when you can't eat. You, it's hard to do startup because when you do a startup business, you're going to make sacrifices and you live off of a reserve of money. I didn't have a reserve of money. I didn't even have enough money to live on. Um, so I ended up going back into employment to kind of get together, make sure I had insurance to take care of myself. And, and that's my story. Okay. Now, once I got into this last placement, this organization that I'm in now, the district that I'm in now, I've kind of lost my way. I've had somebody who questioned me before about losing my way. I really didn't think I lost my way until this year. And this year, in this last district, I started desiring to retire in the district. To give up about 15 years of my life to that district and retire there. And I'm honest. Like, I really started thinking that. I started thinking it. I started to, I started trying to contort myself so that I can fit in it. And I'm still kind of there. I'm not as, I'm, I'm still kind of there. Um, not as deeply entrenched as I was maybe three weeks ago, but I'm still wrestling with the fact that that seems like a, like, um, a no brainer. Like, okay, you sacrifice 40, 50 hours a week. You get a steady paycheck. You get good insurance. And then you do the work that you enjoy doing. I enjoy the work that I do. I don't, when I go to work, I don't look at the clock. I maybe, maybe, maybe I do a couple of that, but I'm not, I've had jobs where I watch the clock. I don't look at the clock like that. So my thinking that that's win-win. Go somewhere. I do the work I enjoy doing. I don't have to watch the clock. Decent money, good insurance. I'm going to retire and have a little bit of, of a nest egg. But for three years, I'm not just going to a job and then leaving it. The work comes home as relating to stress. Now, I will say that first, the the sixth grade teaching position, I didn't bring a lot of stress home. Because the principal, my classmate slash friend, was purposely trying to alienate me from the process. So she kept me from being a part of anything. And her thing was, you've been out of the classroom for a long time. You need to take this year to get reacclimated to being a good teacher. Middle fingers up to you, but that's okay. I'm going to use that to my advantage. All right. And I didn't have to do any extra work. And I wasn't dealing with extra politics. But I, I mean, she stressed me out. I had one day of the week. I had to go to a meeting and listen to her. And I called it, it was on a Tuesday. And I would say, it's Doomsday Tuesday. <laughs> and that's how I would mentally get through that day. Because I had to sit for two hours and listening to her. And it was insufferable. But that was just two hours, right? But the other thing I was doing is I was coming home, going to bed. I was coming home, going to bed at about 7 o'clock. So I can get up in the morning at 1 o'clock to do my business stuff. But my business work wasn't really calibrated. It wasn't calibrated at all. 
I one day want to think about what I was doing when I was calling that business. I was writing. I was doing building courses, the courses that I want around personality theory and personal growth and development and all of that's fine. But that's not the business I'm going to live off of right now. That's my business I want to retire into. So I was working on retirement. Let's put it that way. I shouldn't say I wasn't working on business. But I was working on retirement. And maybe then, in the back of my mind, I thought I was going to be working there. Or working. Maybe I was starting to negotiate. Maybe I was starting to negotiate with myself at that stage. Because I was no longer working on the kind of business that would allow me to be self-employed until I retire at a, at, at the level of pain that I'm, I want to live at. Um, but I wasn't conscious of that then, but I was where I was, it was, it's a really interesting thing for me to think about. Cause there was a point where I was like, this is what I want to retire and do. And I was semi working on the project that will allow me to live comfortably until I retire but that wasn't getting enough traction and I didn't have the insight or the wisdom or whatever to calibrate that plan at the time if you are listening to me and you're an entrepreneur you know we go through all of this we have a plan a vision that we have to recalibrate it and adjust and that's part of the work Right, that's kind of the joy of it, because then it, it requires us to use those creative muscles and all of that. So I don't think I did anything wrong. I'm not worried about that nebula, that time period where the business, quote unquote, was really nebulous. It was not really defined. I think I had to go through that stage. I'm not worried about that. I think I'm focused more on the employment side. The me, me saying I'm going to work. Until I get the business going. Theoretically, that makes sense. Except I wasn't able to do that. These, these jobs, it is a, in particular the job I have now, at least the last two years, I could do a little bit of something. But this past year, I've not been able to do anything but come home and be stressed. And honestly, that's not completely true because once my director resigned, as long as he was in position, I was still stressed. But it was still manageable. I was coming home. I was having business meetings. I was All of that was fine. When he resigned in October, there was no buffer between me and the superintendent. And all of a sudden, the superintendent started seeing me as some kind of disposable resource to use as to use it um, at his disposal. Really, am I saying that right? And so then he started plucking me out of my job, putting me on special assignments. And honestly, I was excited about it because I'm like, oh, I get to use more of my skill set, right? Take me from 50 to 55. And all of, none of that, none of it can I complain about. I'm not going to complain about any of it, even though you guys have heard me 
being really stressed about it, crying about, you know, but here's, and I've known this. This is what the real stress is about. Cause I could, I, I could walk away. I could be like, whatever you told me to do this, whatever. I'm not listening to you. No, that's not it. Two things that are happening. I wanted, I, I lost my way this year because I started telling myself, that I could stay in that job until I retire. Because on paper, it's good math. Now, when I came out of the liquefaction process and I wasn't working, and I well, I started subbing and I was doing like working as an adjunct instructor for like two universities, teaching six courses, and then I still had to do substitute teaching. I hit a place where like, that's not good math. That's not good math. So I then put myself into a more steady position. I went back into the K-12 environment where I have my credentials because I was like, this is good math. And now I'm saying it's good math on paper. It is good math on paper. It's damn good math on paper. But spiritually, it's not. It's just not. Because even on the days that I'm not perseverating, I love that word, about something, about work, I'm, I'm going right to sleep. But I'm not going to sleep to get up in the morning to work on my business. I do write now. I was doing, you know, I was exercising. I'm not doing any of that. So I'm coming home eating and drinking wine. And if you know about the INTJ, when we stress, we start stressing in that inferior function, extroverted sensing, and it's not healthy. All the weight that I lost last year, I lost almost 30 pounds. I've gained that back and then some. I'm not in my best self. So I was walking, when I was doing my walk earlier today, I was like, you can keep trying to convince yourself mind over matter. Because that's what I tell myself. I'm a rational person. I'm logical. If it if it makes good sense on paper, then it makes good sense. I'm going to keep doing this because it makes sense on paper. So I, I'm mind over matter. Mind over matter. And then it hit me. You keep doing mind over matter, the matter part of you is going to be destroyed. It can't be mind over matter. I did it for to get back on my feet to stabilize. I renewed my lease. It's going to be the first time where I can be in a house that I feel good about for two years in a row. I'm a little nervous because if the, my savings isn't where it was last year. But I got a plan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, And that's the thing I have to tell myself. I'm now in a position to think constantly about a plan. Having a plan to strategize. Because when I hit that liquefaction process, I didn't, I wasn't functioning right. I just wasn't. There were so many things working against me. I will write about that. I know I, I mentioned it. It's just so much there. There's so much that I learned that I want to share with other people, particularly other women, particularly other strong women, because that's what I learned. Strong women, when you see these red flags come on across your path, because you're like, I'm strong. I don't have to worry about that. I got that. It erodes, it erodes, it, 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 it weighs on you. 
until you you look up one day and you're like, how did I get here? Because you were ignoring all the little red signs. You were ignoring them because you're so strong, right? You're so strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so I learned that lesson. And so I'm always, always just going to. And I've all, and the thing is, that's what we do as INTJs. We strategize. We got to plan for a plan. We got to plan it B for the plan B. Okay, so you have a plan A, you have a plan B, and you have a plan B for the plan B, and you have another plan B for that plan B. Anyway, you get what I'm saying. <laughs> so, so anyway, I'm not overly worried about that. Um, I'm not, but. Um, the question that I asked myself this morning is, how long are you going to do this? So if you're functioning at 65% of who you are, and I think when I first started this second assignment from the, the assignment I'm in now from the superintendent, when I first started it, I was, it would, it's safe to say I was functioning at 75% of me. And that felt good. It's been a long time since I've gotten paid to be at 75% of myself. And yes, I could have convinced myself that that was okay. And honestly, this is what I wonder spiritually why I didn't stay at 75%. I'm back, I'm at 60% of myself. It's still better. It's still better than the last other two assignments, right? 35 to 45 to 50. 60% is better than that. Okay. But the question is, how long are you going to be able to withstand that? Going to a job every day that is only using 60% of who you are and still and, and still stressing you out. I mean, I keep telling myself, don't be stressed. Mind over matter. Don't pay attention to that. None of that's real. But it's real while you're there for 50 hours a week, 50, 60 hours a week. That's real. And it's, I'm an amazing NI Don, which means I can go off into my head. But there is a reality. There is a physical sensory reality. And um, so the walk this morning... Um, just was me coming to terms with that. And I want to say these two things, and I'm just going to bring closure. Um, number one, I think the reflection that I did with you guys called the lesson was really powerful. And I, and I mentioned this because it was a really, really helpful. It wasn't a good reflection. Like when I go back and listen to it, I'm like, oh, I don't like the way I moved about in terms of my presentation of it. But in terms of what it did for me, it was good. It's also gotten, considering like the number of plays that I can anticipate for an episode, it's gotten a noticeable amount of downloads. So hopefully then there's something from that reflection that you you got from it as well. So thank you for listening and thank you for sharing it, even though I don't think it was the best presented one. But in that reflection, I had come to terms with like, you can't change the system and rank up in that system. Now, when I was walking this morning, what occurred to me is that if the system is designed to change, 
if the system is committed to doing the change work and the system invites you to hold it, so it accountable so that it's not just talking about change, it's living the change, then maybe I could rank up in a system doing that. Maybe. Okay. And I'll keep looking for those jobs until I can get back my business up and going. I'm okay with that. That's win-win. If I can find an organization that is really about the change that it says on paper, and and I'm invited to probably move that change process forward, that's probably the only way I'm going to be happy, is if it employs me to drive the change process. Okay. Okay. But in the meantime, I have to accept, like I accept, came to terms with that um, reflection called the lesson. The system is not going to change. And it's not going to change, allow you to push it for change, and then allow, and allow you to rank up in it as well. Because I'm a change agent. Any, any organization I go into, it's, I'm going to promote change. That's just what I do. And I can do it. I can do fight the good fight. But what I was trying to do in this particular job is rank up. I was going for promotions. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that at all. And knowing that they're not going to do that, that's fine. But then I have to come to terms with, are you going to be okay being at 60%? Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. So what are you going to do? You're going to spend the rest of your time until retirement, living at 60% of yourself? No. And this is the non-negotiable for me that I had to just sit with. I am not okay with living out the rest of my days at 60% of myself. I'm not okay with it. I invest too much time in the idea of growth. For a long time, that growth was about my academic growth. Then it was about professional growth. Now I'm on some kind of personal spiritual thing, right? I spend my life committed to growth. How in God's name, or excuse me, sorry, how in in goodness, I can't come up with another expression, am I going to be okay spending the next 15 or so years living at 60% of myself? And so while I'm not sure where I'm going to go, right, do I go and find that organization that's committed to change? It's going to allow me to drive the change process. Do I get my butt in gear and get back going with the business? I, I'm not, I do have some ideas about it, but I don't, I don't have any guarantees. But here's the, here's one guarantee that I have. My guarantee is the non-negotiable. I guarantee that I'm not going to spend the rest of my days at 60% of myself. I guarantee that because that is a non-negotiable. That's a non-negotiable. So for some reason that feels good. Now, some of you have been listening to me. You're probably listening to me talking today and you're like, you're N.I. Dom, you are saying this over and over again. And I told you that in the reflection I did called the framing. 
I said, I'm probably going to be lingering here because there's a, I'm not done working the lesson. I said that you're probably going to hear this again until I get out of this bubble. And I ask you to, I ask you to give me grace because I'm really working through it. But today's reflection that I had with myself felt important because I had to confront my non-negotiable and all the, the perseverating and the circling the drain and the repeats that I'm doing. I, one thing I haven't said is the non-negotiable. I don't know what it's going to mean other than I'm not doing that. That's not acceptable. Now, does it mean I'm going to walk out tomorrow and have the answer? No. But what it means is that I'm no longer going to be tr- contorting myself to convince myself mind over matter for what the, the good math on paper. Because the good math on paper is based on me being at 60% of myself. And that really is not good math. It's not good math. And that's a piece of this puzzle that I did not have as I've been perseverating. I'm sorry, I'm going to keep saying that word, y'all. I like it. <laughs> now, I will admit, and I will have to talk about this later because I don't really know. I feel like there's some stuff I still have to work out. But I will tell you that I had an interview um two days ago it was called a pre-screening process and I don't know if I'm going to get that position I think I want it I think I do I'm at 80% um, excitement about that job right some for some reasons but we got, we'll see because the whole application process is pretty cumbersome but that's okay uh, but what I realized in that interview process, because this particular organization is not a school district. So you got people who are educators who are not traditional district people. And I'm reminded that the last three years I've been surrounded by district-minded people. People who are okay with going to work every day doing the same thing and being at 60% of themselves and probably don't even know that they're at 60% of themselves. I listened to a YouTube content called self-awareness or how do you know when you're really self-aware? And by the way, go to my YouTube channel because I, I responded. I did a reflection on that piece called self-reflection. But I'm sur- district people are functioning at a at at a partial state, and they're okay with it because of the exchange, the trade off. And for some people, the benefits and the pay outweigh the loss, the spiritual loss. And honestly, that's what I've been convincing myself of the last three years. I can do that. Might over matter. I can be okay with not functioning at my full capacity. At least I'm doing work I believe in. But it's not working out. It's not working out. So. 
So that's the non-negotiable. So yeah, so that job interview was great because it reminded me. For I was like, oh, I get a chance to be around uh, non non-district people. <laughs> like there's a different mindset. District district people have a particular mindset. Um, and then I, even in that interview, it it really tapped into some of my values um, around and ideas around entrepreneurship. And I'm like. This is me. Like some of the ways we were talking, I was like, I'm only, I can only talk like this with you because it's one entrepreneur talking to another. So it was almost like a dusting off of myself. Like the entrepreneur side of me was like, you're not gone. I'm still here. I'm not gone. I'm not gone anywhere. And, and that's probably the other 30 to 20 to 30% of me that's missing in these jobs that I've been doing in these district positions. They don't allow for the entrepreneur in me. And that's, and they're, they're, I want to say they're, I don't want to say they're threatened by it. Like I'm all that, but like, um, when you're in the entrepreneurial world, you have to sell yourself as great. When you're in a district, you don't sell yourself as great. You sell yourself as I'm part of this team. That's not how entrepreneurship works. Another thing that's about entrepreneurship is that you do things. Uh, I had an idea. I can implement it. I'm going after it. In the district world, it's no I, it's we. And none of that's bad. It's just different. So to be in a space where I was like being invited to talk a different language, I was like, oh my gosh, this feels so good. It feels so good. And I woke up, the, so that was Thursday. I woke up Friday morning with ideas about the business that I've been really like, like, well, what do I do with it? Like, I woke up, like, do this first, second, third, fourth, fifth. I was like, okay, it's still in me. So I don't really know. I still am going to continue to look for or organizations that want to do change work and want me to lead the process. I'm going to do that. I'm not resigning my job. Um not going to resign. So that's on paper. It's good. (laughs) On paper. It's good. It's a good gig. And then I'm going to get back into this driving seat of my business. So I feel like I'm, I feel better today. I feel like I have a plan and I don't like not having a plan, but I've been struggling with a plan because I have not been sure what's going on. So there's more that I want to say, like, about how what this year has meant. But I think let me squarely get into the next phase of this journey, and I will be able to solidify what this year, past year, has been about. But I hope I'm getting to a place where I'm not perseverating. I'm going to just stop perseverating. I'm going to stop looping in it, stop circling the drain. I feel like I'm getting closer to where I need to be. So... If this reflection has had any value for you, please give it a heart. It's this conversation about non-negotiables and kind of how we compromise and negotiate with ourselves to settle. Negotiating to settle. That's interesting. Negotiating to settle. If this reflection is connected to a conversation you've had in the world, please take this link and share it with those participants. If my moving about in this reflection has caused some randomness in you, Please, I would love to hear it. I really, really would. You can find me on my website at yournidom.wordpress.com, Twitter, yournidom1, 
or Facebook and YouTube at your NIDA. Let me give you your assignment. I actually have two questions for you, and they relate, but they're not sequential. I'm not going to give you the second question because it's based on question number one. It doesn't matter the order in which I give them to you. So feel free to answer them as you need to. One question is, what's one of your non-negotiables? It could be about work. It could be about family. It could be about love. It could be about spirit. I don't know. What's one of your non-negotiables? What, where did it come from? How did you get there? How did you, did you struggle in that? Are you ever tested in it? What is one of your non-negotiables? And I think the last question is, what are you negotiating with now? Like how I was delusional, mind over matter. If it's good on, if it's good math on paper, then it's good math. And I was trying to do mind over matter. That was, I was delusional. I was trying to negotiate it. What's something that you've been negotiating with yourself, even though it's not really good for you? It looks good on paper, but it's not really good for you. So one thing is what's a non-negotiable and what is, what should be a non-negotiable, but you aren't still negotiating. You guys, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you until I come back. Be well. Bye.